Welcome, another episode, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Welcome, listeners, another uh, interview situation where I'm actually being interviewed by Alan Muir. Uh, he had uh, a couple questions for me, and one of them was on the topic of what were the early shows like. And as I brought out, as you'll hear, uh, I wasn't at the very, very first shows, but I was in that that uh, that next wave when shows got a little more popular by the by the uh, mid '70s when they were starting to be at uh, at uh, not the largest venues like now, but larger venues than, than the early days, which were in home. So a lot of fun, made some lifelong friends. Uh, it was a, a very, uh, well, it just, they, they were scarce. I mean, now there came a time when there were shows every weekend everywhere. And now, uh, again, we're not, uh, having that experience, but back in the day it was, uh, it was a, a fabulous experience. And, uh, I was in the thick of it being in uh, Bowling Green between 75 and 80, where, uh, within driving distance, I could see a lot of the, uh, key shows and key uh, collectors and dealers. So uh, enjoy the interview. I always enjoy visiting with Al. He's a good uh, good interviewer. Uh, one of the interesting guys that we hired back in the day who, who really had some uh, uh, math skills and verbal skills, which is always good. So he uh, fulfilled a lot of roles uh, very well within our company. And uh, it's good to see that he's back uh, helping out with the uh, vintage magazine. So this was in context of that. I encourage you to get that magazine. And uh, I'm not sure it's going to be way different. Well, it'll be it'll be more because he, I'm sure he's talking to the people too. So uh, thanks, Al. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, sponsors. Uh, here we go with uh, some uh, good old days of what it was like in those uh, very first shows in, in uh, well, the first show ever in Texas that I helped organize. And then the some of the very, very early shows that, that were a lot simpler and kinder and gentler than the than the than the, the shows now came to be a lot less moving parts but uh, a lot of fun nonetheless. So thanks listeners. Be back again tomorrow after this interview with uh, another episode. And thanks Alan Muir for, uh, for, uh, for your uh, thoughts and good questions. Okay. So uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about was the early shows. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we spoke before about how there were ads, there were clubs starting up in some areas. Uh, I know there was, uh, I think it was the American sports collectors club in New York. Um, so people were starting to gather in groups. There was a, a sense that there were like-minded folks out there. And initially there was just sort of like trading meetings going on. But my understanding is that the earliest shows were in the New York area. What was your experience of uh, some of the early shows? Those very earliest shows, you're right, were kind of trading things where you brought, there wasn't a lot of cash in the room and it was kind of gauche to, to try to, buy your way into a collection. It just wasn't, so it was more people showing up, you know, who was there for some of those is Jaspi, you know, Jasperson or, or he was at some of those very early shows with, you know, his dad, who was a friend of mine too, who's passed away. But, um, but uh, you know, they were more trading kinds of things, uh, which was fine when it was a handful of people in a home. But the, the, when I picked up, which was in the 74, maybe by then they were starting to have, they would be in a, you know, in a hotel, smaller meeting area at first and it grew from there. And most of them were from uh, uh, collectors clubs. Uh, Gervis and I started the first show. It was based on starting a little club and people, I don't know how the word got out, but we had a hundred members or something. We said, we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a show at the, at this uh, community center meeting room. And we might be had 25 dealers and the tables might have been 10 bucks or something. And admission was probably free. We, we certainly didn't make any money, but, uh, people would walk in with their collections and, and, and they'd be buy, sell, trade. But again, there just wasn't a lot of 
there wasn't a lot of money changing hands. It was more of a pure hobby and, and it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I wish I'd never sold a single thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's the interesting thing is obviously now there's so much frowning uh, on the trading aspect of it, uh, or there has been for years because uh, there's been a focus on the dealer buyer yeah. interface. A lot of shows now, uh, like in Toronto, they are setting up trade nights as, as part of the, the process. So the trading must have been fascinating back then. I mean, what was what the trading was, was was fascinating. It's one of the reasons why you know I kind of uh, did uh, launched on my price guide journey because back in uh, and I kind of started in '76 with doing announcing this kind of a national or international if you count Canada, obviously which I can count Canada uh, is a, a price survey. And, and that first price survey really was not exhaustively every card, but it was, you know, a lot of the regionals and other kinds of things that just the comparative values were not well understood. And there were a handful of people that, of which I was one that kind of knew what things were going for, but there, there wasn't a great desire to share that, that knowledge. And so when somebody walked into a card show with, uh, with uh, stuff from the fifties, uh, nine out of 10 people wanted the tops cards, but they're the, the one out of 10 of which I was one of the one out of tens wanted the stuff that was, you know, the, the rodeo meets or the cons wieners or the yeah. cards that were not the Glendale meets, the ones that were not the tops or Bowman cards. And, uh, but th- those early price guides were as much as anything, an opportunity to, to uh, share the knowledge so that people would say, Oh, well, those are in demand. They're way less supply. And they're worth uh, 10 times what a regular tops card is or whatever, you know. And so to quantify that, it allowed for more trading, but it also allowed for people to, to sell, which they, they did. It's, a, it's frankly easier to sell sometimes than to, than to, than to trade. Trading oh, yeah. is complicated. Oh, it's more fun to trade, but it, it takes a lot of time. I remember having some trading nights going over to having somebody come over and bring their cards. And, you know, I'd find stuff they wanted or I'd find stuff I wanted, but they wouldn't find stuff, you know. And it just was tricky. And so throwing money made it easier. So was, was that the first show you attended was the one that you actually organized or? Yeah. 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 So what yeah, was- I, the, I had, I was getting hobby publications. So I knew there were other shows and Gervis and I just said, we can do this. Yeah. And uh, again, we, it, there was no attempt to make, if there'd been an attempt to make money, we failed, but uh, you know, he's a hard worker with, I couldn't have had a better guy to, to, to launch out with and some of those activities and, you know, an honest hard worker who, really cared about people. And, and, um, and so we got that started and he, after I moved away, he, he carried that on. But uh, again, he had a regular job. So it, it, this was a side gig uh, for both of us actually. And the, a lot of work. I mean, my hat's off to these people that promote shows. It's, it's uh, it's a lot of work. And in those days it was more of, it wasn't just the buying and selling and the trading. There was a hospitality aspect to it. it there was a little bit of a, of a, a brotherhood. I mean, I'm not saying there weren't any women there, but it was mostly guys. And, um, you know, real spirit of, of we're, we're, uh, we're the few, the proud, the Marines. We were the early, uh, early uh, adopters. So when did it become a thing for dealers to start traveling around the country to attend shows? I think late seventies, late seventies. Yeah. I mean that the, uh, it, it uh, again, you couldn't, you, you had trouble. You, you wouldn't just travel around to make money. Uh, the reason they initially traveled was to go to a different part of the country because there were different kinds of cards there. So when I went to those American Sports Collectors Association, in fact, I still have my buttons. In fact, it, it was so non, I, I have my, you know, you'd get a badge, you yeah. know, when you walked in and you'd wear, it wasn't a name tag, it was just a badge that had the American Sports 
Collectors Association 1975 or something on it. So, so I think that's a cool collection. So I've got a bunch of those. But people went there not so much to come back with uh, extra money, but to come back with different cards. So a lot of times people sold stuff and all the, all the stuff they sold, they took that money and poured, but they poured it into stuff that they didn't normally see. And that was the fun of it. If you went to a show in your own hometown, you're going to see what you always see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not many people traveled. I mean, gas was cheap, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, and it was mainly, you know, you could, you could put your cards in your trunk. I mean, it, nobody was, there weren't paid people having booths with, you know, with thousands and thousands of cards, you know, the monster boxes, there were no such, there were shoe boxes. There weren't any monster boxes. So when, uh, when you got, when did you personally start traveling to shows? Do you remember that or? 75. Yeah. 75? Uh, where, where did you go? Where, where, well, I was in Bowling Green, you know, so I mean, I just, I immediately hit it. I immediately started doing buying trips and I started hitting all the shows. Cincinnati had a, had a great show that I think was in November. Uh, and so my buying trips, which you and I have talked about, were in off weeks. So I had, I was, like I say, a single professor. So if uh, I probably went to a show a month starting in, uh, in, uh, in probably, you know, fall of 75. Every kind of major city, you know, in the Midwest had a show and they were so collaborative and cooperative. I mean, nobody duplicated they weren't on the same weekend the detroit show would be one month and then cincinnati and then cleveland and then chicago and st louis and these were all within you know kind of a half day driving distance for me so how were you kept apprised of all of these events what was the well, trader, was speaks. trader speaks i mean there was yeah. a, there was a publication you know and, and scd had just was kind of a gaining right. traction at that time as well so there and sport fan which was which was bob jasperson's public i subscribed to all this stuff i'm just kind of encyclopedically exhaustive, I think. But, uh, so I got what was out there and, and again, it was a close knit brotherhood where people said, Hey, you going to that show? I said, well, what, what, what show? And then you get, once you get on the list, then, um, you know, like I said, they're, 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 you never had the dilemma in 75 of which show you're going to go to on a weekend. <laughs> this was the show and you'd see a lot of this. And so you got to be pretty good friends with people, uh, in the Midwest. So, so community was, was a huge part of it. Then. It was a huge part of it. And, and, and on, and it was, they were weekend shows, uh, Saturday, Sunday, uh, sometimes Friday, Saturday, Sunday was a big, it was a big show, but Saturday night after the show, everybody went up to like a pizza and beer, uh, room, you know, there was a separate room that just telling old stories. It was a great education and really, uh, was, was pretty amazing. Some of the, the tall tales, which I thought they were tall tales. Now I find out a lot of them were true, <laughs> but, um, you know, that people were private about their collection in those days. They didn't want people knowing where they live. They didn't know people want, uh, people knowing, that uh, what they had uh, yeah. uh, unless they trusted you. So when did uh, the extraneous things come into play, like the autograph signers and the like, was that, uh, was autograph, that sign- autograph signers uh, pretty early on, I think more, more toward the, more toward the late seventies. I mean, that uh, there was an attempt to broaden the appeal. Uh, I mean, again, a lot of uh, card collectors, sports card collectors are also autograph collectors. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap there. Uh, yeah, I mean, when the shows went from having hundreds of people coming to thousands of people coming, part of that was, was the, uh, was, was autograph, was autograph guests, which now mm-hmm. how many Mickey Mantles should I have picked up at five bucks a piece? Right, right. <laughs> was that in the late seventies as well? Or was that yeah, later? Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think, I think he's, I can't remember what uh, Doug Kale was saying in one of his first shows in the New York, New Jersey area, but, uh, you know, late seventies, early eighties, uh, 
<laughs> that is crazy. And again, people probably complained, how dare you charge so much? You know, dare you charge at all, probably. Yeah. Or charge at all for something that's just a, a scribble. What was that? What was a favorite show? Do you have a favorite memory of a show in particular or one that really Well, I I uh, I liked uh, I liked uh, all the shows. You know, a lot of times there each show had its own characters. There's some were more uh, relational and, and friendly than others. The New York shows were kind of no nonsense, all business. But yeah. but again, you'd always see really interesting stuff. Some of, some of the best experiences were going there, and and um, again, they're they're when you deal with opinionated people, you find out where you stand pretty quickly. And if you ask how much is that, and uh, and they tell you, you 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 say okay, you know, or not okay but it doesn't pay to get in an argument or try to, you know, wiggle them down in some way. So uh, I had, but, you know, again, I had some great, I, I had some great experience at some unsuccessful shows where I was a dealer and, um, and the show was a ghost town mm. and I made, you know, lemonade because I bought somebody's table who was not doing very well. And Sunday afternoon had been crickets and he said, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, I came, I set up, I got all this great stuff and nobody came, nobody wanted it. What am I going to tell my wife? And I said, I want you to tell your wife you sold your table to a guy that came on, came by on Sunday afternoon and said, I'll give you a thousand bucks for everything on your table. I know that's a discount, but you don't have to, I will carry it away. Cash is king. <laughs> and I did that more than once. So that was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> 